I'm Tina Tang, an equities trader turned jewelry designer turned strength coach for women over 40. This podcast is my survival guide to health over 40, where I'll share things I wish my mom had told me, and where I'll interview experts to give us guidance about aging well. Check in every week for my newest episode. Hi, friends. I've got something really special I want you to save the date for. If you're in your 40s or 50s and you've noticed that your body's just feeling different, where what you used to do doesn't work for you anymore, you might be feeling off sad, mad all the time, or just not yourself. I will be hosting a free webinar, Master Your Body Through Menopause, where I will give you a step-by-step blueprint to get you through the other side. Save Wednesday, October 11th, 7 p.m. Eastern. More sign-up details to come. Welcome back. Today I'm talking about making and maintaining friendships from our 40s and beyond. An 85-year-old Harvard study that started in 1938 followed 724 men of various economic backgrounds, checking in on their health status, interviewing them every couple of years. And what they found was that close relationships, more than money or fame, are what keep people happy throughout their lives. Those ties protect people from life's unhappy, and unfortunate events. It helps to delay mental and physical decline, and they're better predictors of long and happy lives than their social class, their IQ, or even genes. That finding proved true across the board among both the Harvard men and the inner city participants. Now, the thing is, as we get older, we have less and less friends. We lose touch with people. We're even pickier about who we're friends with. So how do we make and maintain our friendships beyond our 40s? There are two people in my life that I admire who have a notable amount of close friends. And while we're told it's not possible to have a lot of close friends, it is. And these are observations I've made of my best friend, Sema who's 52 and has a very large circle of very close longtime friends. And then my neighborhood friend, who I'll call Susan, and she's 38, and who also is someone that I've noted has a very large circle of longtime close friends. So what is it that Sima and Susan do that stands out from other people that I know? Well, with Sima, I've noticed, and I've known her almost 20 years, she takes phone calls and will talk to friends and listen to their problems at pretty much any time if someone's calling in dire need. She'll talk to you for an hour about whatever it is going on in your life. And I know personally, I don't always have the patience for this if someone was to call me, but developing a close friendship means that you're there for people when they need you. And while it is a sacrifice of time, but it's also the investment we make for the trust of someone who's going to be or who is a close friend. Now with Susan, I noticed that she too does this. Whenever her friends call, she's also one who will set aside time in her schedule, and she might even be at work, she does work from home, to talk to you about whatever it is that problem that you're calling her about. And if she can't talk that moment, she calls you back as soon as she's available. And if it's a friend she hasn't Um, seen in a long time that calls to talk to her about her father, the father's health, she'll make the time. 
she might even have a day, and I know this because she's mentioned it, like, oh, I was on the phone for two hours today because two different uh, friends called and she spent the time talking to them. So another behavior that I've noticed with both of them is that they say yes to invitations and that they both show up to events or inconvenient things when most people will not. Well, most of us will make excuses for, to ourselves when we're tired or simply when we don't feel like leaving our apartments. I noticed that my, my friend Susan, she always says yes. Let's say your daughter's turning one, you live an hour away, and you invite Susan. She will show up to your daughter's birthday party because she knows it's important to you. Of course, your daughter might not even remember, but you will. Do you need someone to go with you to an appointment? If you called Suma or Susan, both of them would go for you because you asked. So saying yes and showing up is always noticed by people. I know I notice if someone comes to a party I invited them to, it might even be someone that I'm not even that close with, but I do notice that they set aside the time to come. Friends are made with time investments, and that time includes showing up. If you were invited, you were wanted at the event. Now, you might be thinking, oh, I don't have time to attend everything. How does Susan and Sima do it? And I'm not telling you that you should. I'm merely explaining how some people, those who have large groups of, not just a large group of social superficial friends, but close friends, it's a result of the time investment and the sacrifice that they chose to give. Literally, what we give to people is what we get back. And I know we've heard that before, but I've witnessed it in these two friends that I admire. Someone who cares enough to listen to you is someone also that you will likely prioritize in your friendship. Of course, there's a difference between sacrificing your time and being taken advantage of. And as Simma's best friend, I have witnessed her um, meeting a new friend, spending time with them, and learning over time that that new friend is just an emotional taker, someone who uh, doesn't reciprocate in the time or the 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 connection for the relationship. But what I've also seen is that her willingness to get to know and spend time with the new friend has also resulted in close friendships. We take a risk and with risk, there's either reward or not a reward. That's what risk is about. And so for Sima, while sometimes she does get hurt by uh, some of these newer friendships she takes a chance on, the reward is great where she also makes friends that she's connected with for a very long time. So let's talk about the next thing, which is how do you make new friends, especially in this time of life? Now, there's three steps that I'm going to suggest because this is pretty much what I do and I think found it's been helpful for me. Number one, find a place where you're going to see people often. and I know people will suggest going to a meetup or doing some kind of club. For me, I've met neighborhood friends at a local gym. The regularity and the familiarity of seeing someone regular makes it so much easier to say hello and to know that you'll see them again. And for a lot of people, that's why a gym or a fitness studio is very easy because you're not seeing them in a work environment. Sometimes if you join a one time I joined a pool league 
But the people in the pool league took the game so seriously, it was less about chatting and hanging out than it was about the game. So you you have to find something where people are a little bit looser and willing to hang around afterwards to, to chat. So that's number one. You want to find somewhere, some kind of activity where you're going to see people often so that it makes it easier to go to the next step. Step number two is you're going to have to be vulnerable by asking someone to get coffee or take a walk. And this is where I think most people have difficulty and why it's hard to make friendships. It may sound scary, but people often also think about wanting to ask you, but they're a little bit apprehensive about being vulnerable. For example, my friend Susan that lives in my neighborhood, I've known her for years from the gym, but we never took that next step to uh, connect outside of the gym, but we started taking walks together after COVID, and that's what developed into our close friendship. Walks started leading to doing other activities together, and it's just that time spent that forms the friendship. And then the last suggestion I have, besides going somewhere where you're going to see people often, Number two, being vulnerable and being the one to invite for coffee. The third one is checking in and messaging people. And I know this, again, is effort for for some of us. This is a little easier for me because of the type of job I do where I'm always checking in with people. So for me, it's uh, it's an easy habit. But check in with people. Is there something that you saw, that you read, that made you think about someone that you know, that a friend? Message them. That message lets them feel like you thought of them and everyone likes to be thought of. So ultimately, it's the one-on-one time over a period of time that friendships are developed. Developed, excuse me. Nothing replaces time spent. So let's say you make a new friend. How does one maintain the relationships? It takes time to get to know people in all aspects of who they are, sometimes more than three years. You might only see one aspect of someone, for example, at the gym, but as you see them in other scenarios and situations, you get to know them better. So it's not just the getting a coffee or taking a walk. The different situations like travel show other layers of people, and those different situations, scenarios, life events reveal more aspects of this person, this new friend, or this old friend. Maintaining friendships goes back to what I described about Sima and Susan. It's about being available for someone when they need you, showing up when invited, and being a little bit vulnerable and being the one who suggests events or invitations. Ultimately, what keeps a long friendship intact is the effort to stay connected on your part and, of course, on the friends. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to subscribe. You can also find me on my website, ironstrongfitness.net, or follow me on Instagram at ironstrongfit. See you at the next episode.